Hey, hey, everyone. My name is Leo, and with me is John. We'll be your co-host today on Green Nickel 101, your source for eco-friendly EV nickel discussions. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Today's episode, we're going to focus on smart charging. But before we get there, let's quickly recap our previous episode, John. Are we ready for a super cycle? We're talking about the commodity super cycle and uh, yeah, great episode on the super cycle, super cycle, dun, 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 dun. So yeah. super cycles, which are good for stock prices, are often associated with long term periods of growth for the commodity markets. Mm-hmm. And we talk we talked about how battery metals are going to drive the next super cycle. Yeah. And I kind of felt like the the we used the phrase that the wind was at our backs and it just seemed like all of the pieces of the puzzle have fallen into place with, you know, inflationary pressures, uh, stimulus packages uh, through government incentives throughout the world. It feels like we're at the initial stages yeah. of this this super cycle yeah. all the all the, pe- the recipe is is there is the right. recipe's there all all the uh pointers point to the, like we said the winds at our back right mm-hmm. uh supply side temporary factors are at play with covid-19 and some of those uh covid driven things that you know mm-hmm. slow down supply chains and all that those are temporary though right yeah, and then from a more uh, more of a permanent, uh, you know, when you see longevity in, in a cycle, you know, what what are the driving forces behind that? Uh, certainly, uh, you know, we talked about China being a large global consumer of commodities. Uh, we talked about uh, the fact that you know this this phenomenon that we're involved in today with uh, battery storage and the EV revolution and all these other factors contributing to the demand for commodities such as these battery metals mm-hmm. seem to contribute to to a, a constructive hypothesis that we're in fact entering into what would be an extended expansionary period, period yeah, of demand. Yeah. So that was my whole point. The, even though we have the supply side temporary factors that will subside, those supply chain issues that are, we're seeing in 2020, 2021, now as we're entering into 2022, many economists and uh, experts that keep a close eye on this sort of thing feel that our supply chain woes yeah. will start the supply gap the supply, yeah, the supply gap, gap is going to inflationary pressures right. will subside yeah however there's no doubt that the demand expansion for ev batteries and not just ev batteries but all electrification um, you know, climate change, eco-friendly, sustainable kind of incentives out there and moving towards those kind of goals are growing exponentially. So over the next, you know, years and decades going forward, there is going to be this shift. Mm-hmm. So the demand is there. Demand is there. Even though those supply chain uh, issues are temporary, the demand is still going to drive um, a lot of those factors that's going to increase prices, and and that's why I believe we will we are heading into a cycle, super yeah. cycle, whatever you want to call it for commodity prices. Well, we made a little play on a, an old phrase, you know, if if uh, the world gives you lemons, you make lemonade. But we're flipping that. We're saying if the world wants lemonade. You give them lemons. There you go. Excellent. And, uh, you know, and with so. that said, let's move on to this week's discussion, smart charging. So uh, smart charging. Um, take take us down this road of smart charging. So, Well, I think it's, um, 
you know, I think we we parlayed this with uh, what we live with in Ontario here, which is uh, peak demand and, and trying to... You know what, John? Sort of interrupt. The charging equation, like, okay, we, we're going into this world of batteries, right? Mm-hmm. We have electric vehicles. We have storage facilities. Um, you know, we feel that um, these are going to require some type of metals, battery metals. We feel nickel is going to be a central part of all this mm-hmm. because of its pros and all that with uh, demand, with uh, uh, all the good things that come with using nickel in these type of configurations. Cathodes, Great. Yeah. Cathodes and all that. So there's this big thing of, okay, I'm not going to buy an electric vehicle because I have to charge it. And how do I charge it? When do I charge it? You know, is it cheaper yeah. than how, gasoline? How, how are you How are you getting yeah. the energy into that battery right. framework to sustain your mobility right. or your domestic consumption in a Powerwall format? Yeah, so for the listenership, I just wanted to make yeah. sure we start this episode by explaining rewind, why yeah. we're talking about charging. It, it, there's a lot of anxiety over, uh, am I going to have enough charge in my car to take me to work or take me to the cottage? Or what if I did a cross-country trip? And there's some challenges on the charging side, right? Well, I mean, you know, to simplify the, the maybe to use an analogy, you know, when do we charge our phones in most cases? For me, when I go to bed, I plug the phone in, go to sleep, wake up in the morning, it's charged, right? Most so, people, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most people with proactive common sense. Uh, my, my, I have a 15-year-old at home, and he charges his phone all times of the day when he needs to. And they seem to kind of like discharge their phone to like 99%, sometimes 100%. And it's like, Dad, can I borrow your charger? Could be in my car, could be in my, 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 uh, my desk at home or whatever. So let's parlay that into mobility here. Right. And, you know, we're talking about mobility. Maybe it's just personal vehicle. It could be uh, the transport industry, et cetera. There's obviously peak demand period. So it's the objective of smart charging is to level off the peaks and valleys in the demand curve for energy consumption. Right. So no different than, you know, running your dishwasher at uh, at midnight instead of Yeah, that. they say washing your clothes is cheaper to do it in the wee hours after 10 yeah, o'clock yeah. because uh, they, we use a time of use tariff or time of use uh, set up here, let's say in Ontario. In every province... And every state in the United States might be a little different. You're going to have states and provinces that have a flat rate all day long. But most of them have moved on to a time of use configuration. And it's based on the more demand there is there for electricity, the higher the price. So during the day, especially July, August, let's say in warmer weather, and you have you know air conditioners that are driving electricity, uh, demand, you're going to have some high peaks. Mm-hmm. So the electricity charge can hit 20 cents a kilowatt hour in a high demand peak time. So you don't want to charge your car in the middle of the day. You want to charge your car when it's like eight cents or nine cents or seven cents in the middle of the night. Yes. Again, right. level, leveling off that demand curve. And, you know, one of the articles we've been relying on uh, prior to doing this podcast is quite simply just Googling smart charging, and uh, we were were referencing the Wikipedia explanation on smart Smart charging charging, and how it can be uh, supplier-managed charging, SMC, or uh, user 
managed charging, mm-hmm. UMC, right? So right. There, it, you, it can come from... Right. Technology could be you know pre-programmed into the monitoring, into the logic and the software of, of the systems to pick and choose uh, you know, when is a good time to charge the car and maximizing the time of use at the same time, lowering our costs and also not putting too much you know, stress on our electrical grids where we're all charging the cars at like noontime, you know, in very hot weather. Well, you know, which, which would are- rely on on basically live streaming of data. Right. Right. The Internet of Things and how things are more closely connected. You have, uh, you know, 5G networks out there that have gigabit speeds and communicating with small things. Yeah. And know, if I if I want to plug my car in now or my power wall's charging, do I you know, what, what am I going to pay for it? What's right. my live quote? Uh is it at three in the morning as there's a transition to non-peak hours and that yeah. trough of demand starts to level off and rise? Well, I mean, there could be an opportunity to to charge at dinner time. I mean, I don't yeah. know, but it's, it's going to require live streaming of, of, of yeah, real, you, real-time data. Yeah, you mentioned right? a good – well, there's a good example. So Tesla has their power wall. And, you know, the whole, cons- the, the whole idea is you charge your car – and the power wall will decide when it distributes uh, the power. So power wall gets recharged in the middle of the night and it's fully charged. And if you want to plug in your car in the middle of the day, it doesn't mean you can't get power to your car. The power wall has some smart systems on it that will say, OK, we're going to give you power from our stored over the night charging and we'll wait till tonight to recharge that. So a lot of that take it takes it away from the consumer to decide when is a good time to charge, when isn't a good when is it a good time to wash my clothes or not. You don't have to figure that out. Technology is there and Powerwall was a good example where it figures it all out for you. Well, you used an interesting word right there, consumer. Right. Consumer. So let's think about that as a consumer. And we what, like convenience by the right, way. Consumer what, convenience go hand in hand, sure. right? What about consumer driven incentives you know we mentioned you pull into a shopping mall or a plaza and you go into their underground parking and there's charging stations there am i being charged for that or if i go into the shopping mall and i spend a thousand dollars on products inside there well am i getting free charging i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know these are incentives and marketing programs that i know are being rolled out Uh, i can think of a few examples where you can actually charge your car you take advantage of Midday charging, midday shopping, and you're actually getting a free charge while you shop. Mm-hmm. So, and you know I'm, what? Uh, l- let's look at what the smart charging is also because there's some challenges, right? There's some criticisms, concerns regarding you know damage due to redundant incremental charging, uh, you know, to batteries and all that kind of stuff. If you keep your battery charge at between seventy and eighty percent. It's going to last a long time. If you're continuously, you know, doing what my 15-year-old does and brings their phone battery down to 1% or zero, you're doing some incremental and redundant uh, damage to it. Uh, Or how about the difficulty to foresee future trips? So we can use computers and, you know, machine learning. Artificial intelligence is getting better and better all the time. And the smart logical systems will help us figure out those challenges. Um, Well, what else is interesting here is, you know, we're talking about, we're referring to smart charging and we're going to roll into wireless charging as well. But as the uh, efficiency and capacity and energy density of these batteries that we're talking about, and these are batteries, not just mobility, uh, storage, energy storage, stationary storage, as they become more and more efficient, and all of a sudden you're creeping up to a point where, 
you know, with with the solid state format, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you're getting close to a thousand kilometers. That's true. Uh, a lot a, of a these charge. initial so, stages where we have this, you know, range anxiety. Yeah. are going to be alleviated as the batteries get better and better with solid state, higher density, more nickel in the batteries will give us higher density and, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Um, a thousand a thousand kilometer battery well, it's is certainly going to help. Outside the realms of, of possibility, I mm-hmm. think we're, we're well on our way to that uh, objective or that goal. So. Let's look at some alternatives to, you know, so we have, we're talking about cable charging here. Tethered, tethered, uh, tethered yeah. cable charging. You know, you need to tether into something. So if you're at home, you got to plug into, um, you know, a, a source. If you're at a shopping mall, you got to plug into some wall outlet or something like that. Um, but there are continuous charging opportunities where you have um, not necessarily a conductive charge, a inductive charging system. Mm-hmm. Let's call it wireless. Wireless. Yeah. Where you can have built-in receivers and you know power, you know, to receive power from, let's call it at home, maybe on a pad. You drive over a pad. You don't. You know. You're now untethered. I love that. In this day of age, you got more technology. We got lots of devices, and it really irks me to feel like I got to plug into this or I got to plug into that. Well, mobile devices have already started moving to a wireless charge, and you have fast charging too with the neat the new Apple iOS 12. You can charge, supercharge, quickly charge your phone in a much shorter amount of time, you know, using inductive charging. Mm-hmm. Well, use that technology in the EV space, being able to drive, you know, put a uh, inductive charging pad below. I know in there's a lot garage. of companies out there that are doing this sort of thing and uh, trying to roll out these new products. Um, and we'd love to have some on the show. Uh, if you're interested, please reach out to us, uh, talk about your products. But um you know, electric magnetic fields can be done in that kind of capacity. How about roads, inductive charging below HOV lanes? Mm-hmm. Or you mentioned the shopping mall and incentives, being able to say, hey, you know what? Come shop with us. And when you park, you know, we're going to have an inductive charger. If you have a, you know, a green vehicle, electric vehicle that has an inducting inductive charging receiver, we'll be able to deliver power to your car while you shop, you know, and you shop. What, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour for men, and usually about hours for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, as long as you're there at the shopping mall, you're going to be able to get a charge out of your car. Uh, that's that's interesting. So what it comes down to is how cumbersome is implementing some of these uh, these methods of charging. Yeah. Oh, by the way, J- uh, John, before I forget, let's not forget battery swapping. Battery swap, you've heard, I've heard Tesla in the past looking at doing battery swaps. There's obviously challenges with that. But being able to drive in somewhere, swap out your battery in minutes and boom, drive away with a brand new. So like pulling, it's battery. almost like you're pulling in the in, pulling through a car wash. Almost. Yeah. Okay. You pull, you pull exactly. in, they, they work from underneath your vehicle. Yeah. They, they change out your, your batteries and yeah. you drive off. You don't even have to get out of your car. Yeah. And they get serviced, they get maintained. Yeah. Bad ones are taken out, new ones are brought in, you know, mm-hmm. once they reach their lifetime of use or whatever. And now that also helps alleviate the concern of, hey, every seven to 10 years, I need to replace my battery. Well, with a battery swap program, you don't have to do that because all the batteries are 
It's like propane tanks. When you have a propane tank for your Same barbecue, thing, yeah. you just get another tank. You don't, you don't keep the tank. The tank is replaceable, right? So I think what we're doing here, just to rewind a little bit, we're balancing convenience with capital cost. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you've listened to our previous episode, you know, technology is constantly evolving, constantly becoming forward more, thinking, John. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, I use the analogy of putting rose colored glasses on chickens to make mm-hmm. them lay more eggs. Well, mm-hmm. it makes more sense to change the light bulb, right? Does it make sense to rip up roads to put uh, inductive charging pads uh, along the HOV lane? It's balancing convenience with capital cost to find a happy medium of what makes sense. I think in the beginning, it will help transition consumers over to an EV world. Um, Here's another example. You have, let's say, mid-city urban areas that you don't have a garage. You park on the road or you live in a condominium. How are you going to charge your electric vehicle uh, if, if the condominium or the governments don't provide those kind of infrastructure build outs? Why would I go buy an electric vehicle unless I know I can charge it effectively, efficiently, and reliably? So being able to put maybe along the roads where I park, maybe not, you're not going to do the whole street. Let's say you're going to do five sections at a time, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, let's say there's one per 100 electric vehicles compared to ICE vehicles on the road. Let's say it's uh, something like 1%. And I might be wrong about that. It's probably growing now. Mm -hmm. But let's say it's 1%. How do I grow that from 1%, 10, 20, 25, and transition to a 50-50 kind of model? Well, if governments come out and give us ways to charge our cars, especially for inner city folks that live in the um, city, kind of uh, you don't have garages or you're renting a house, if they gave us five spots or eight spots where only electric vehicles can park, That gives me the incentive to buy an electric vehicle. And by the way, I can charge my electric vehicle while it's parked out there. Uh, Now, does the government monetize that? Do you have an app where, hey, I pay per kilowatt hour that I'm getting in my car? Or do they use that like in a shopping mall scenario, an incentive to shop at our shopping mall while you're shopping with us? It's free. You know, I mean, we leave the private sector to decide those kind of things and public sectors to decide as well, right? Yeah, incentivizing the population, uh, calculating supply and demand, and obviously making your decisions. Yeah, yeah, I'm just excited about having wireless charging as an opportunity here, and it's going to help the anxiety of buying an electric car a lot easier. That's Mm -hmm. basically what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, well, certainly would apply uh, more to the younger generation, I would think. Um, I think people call it 40, 50 plus, don't need to have that the same incentive. It's a different consumer class. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, the untethered uh, platform. Uh, you know, cert- you. I know you're you're a tech guy, and uh, um, certainly it's a driving force in your decision making. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think would probably- I want it to be easier. I don't want it to be harder. So charging your EV should be as simple as parking and walking away. Yeah, there you go. And uh, by the way, the SAE, uh, sorry to interrupt, you were on to something here? No? Um, the uh, SAE, um, which is the Society of Automotive Engineers, these are folks that come up with, uh, you know, standards. Um, there's a whole slew of global standards for electric, wireless electric car charging. That's causing a problem. Um, in an article um, 
by uh, Green Car Reports. Uh, we're going to have the link in our in our in our comments uh, for others that would like to read through this. Basically, for the first time, are applying a new standard where it's going to provide a common framework for all global manufacturers. Um, to use and it's gonna these systems are able to charge up to 11 kilowatts which is a much higher you know uh, number than the existing ones that are out there so this is really good news news where SAE standards are helping globally these manu car manufacturers use one system because exactly. last thing I hate is having different charging different systems for in different Europe cars <laughs> and you switch cars every two to five years and yeah. I want to be able to use my, the same things over and over again. I don't want to have to buy another Apple, hint, hint, uh, you know, charging thing because it's got a different adapter on it or a different uh, mm -hmm. endpoint, right? So uh, that's good news, I believe, you know, where the stand, we're, 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 we're standardizing the standards. So the beautiful thing here is, um, you know, we're going to have wireless charging. I think it's on everybody's um, agenda. Uh, Michigan Governor Whitmer, she announced an EV charging circuit for Lake Michigan. Again, governments and states need to help, and even uh, municipal governments need to help consumers get rid of this um, uh, notion of, hey, I, you know, I don't want to buy an electric car because where am I going to charge it? I live downtown. I rent. I live in a condo. There's a well, huge, you, you huge use the part expression of the incentivizing. And, and anytime you have a shift in technology where uh, you have 90 or 99 percent of your population on one platform right now, which happens to be internal combustion engines, mm -hmm. As a, as a government, you, you have to provide incentives, government, uh, manufacturer incentives to, to shift from one technology to another. Mm -hmm. Because there will be periods of, you know, potentially less convenience in adapting to a new technology. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what we're exploring here. Yeah, there's over a thousand miles of shoreline on Lake Michigan that's going to help drive tourism to the region. If I have an electric car, it gives me an incentive. Hey, let's go visit Lake Michigan region and uh, I can, you know, charge my car while I'm there and driving around over this 1,000, you know, mile shoreline. Um, I think this is great and we need more of this sort of thing. Well, with all that said, John, guess what? It's time for our spotlight. This week's Spotlight has been brought to you by Tardison Nickel. Tardison is drilling its Kenbridge Nickel Sulfide project in Ontario to expand the resource and meet the needs of the rapidly growing EV battery market. Class 1 nickel is an essential component in battery production and a critical element in the North American supply chain. The Kinbridge nickel deposit indicates there is significant potential to expand the mineral resource estimate with additional high-grade targets at the Kinbridge North site. Tardison Nickel, TN on the CSE. This week's Spotlight, we're going to talk about um, greenhouse gas levels hitting crazy numbers. When? At, you know, it's, very, it's very convenient this comes out. Yeah, very <laughs> exactly. appropriate. Timing is good, Leo. Right. You know, we got the UN Climate Conference, COP26, uh, which is happening in Glasgow, Scotland. Um, it's uh, basically um, just last week. And um, these numbers by the UN World Surprising. Meteorological yeah. Organization showed carbon dioxide levels surging over 400 parts per million, and uh, it's rising at a much higher rate than anybody anticipated. Um, you know, despite temporary dips in emission during COVID-19, we're back to over and above mm -hmm. where we were in pre-pandemic times. Yeah. It's very disturbing. Well, I mean, 
this is, uh, you know, when you're talking, there's certainly a difference of opinion when it comes to climate change, when it comes to carbon dioxide. A volcano erupts, which there are a number of volcanoes erupting in right Pal- now. Yeah. In uh, Palma, yeah. the Canary Islands. Yeah. So you have tremendous amounts of carbon dioxide, methane gas, uh, toxic fumes and chemicals that are naturally going into the atmosphere because of the way Mother Earth regenerates itself. So, I mean, I'm, I don't have enough of an opinion right now. Certainly, it logic would dictate that if we're in a scenario where we have, um, we have this amount of, of carbon dioxide and methane gas and pollutants in the atmosphere, common sense would dictate that we're somehow <laughs> responsible for it. It's not just volcanoes erupting, right? Right. So, uh, case, which is why, obviously, there's the initiative here that we've talked about a number of times in the past, previous episodes on what we can do to reduce the amount of carbon in the atmosphere and control the amount of climate change control, strive for the Paris Accord 1.5 degrees Celsius uh, above. Right. Um, They're trying to keep that target at 1.5 Celsius, and we're above that. As a matter of fact... So I guess what yeah. I'm saying, I'm just to finish off with this point. Mm-hmm. For the naysayers that are out there, and I'm 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 a neutral individual. I listen to everyone's opinion, and I don't cast judgment if I disagree with someone. But for the naysayers that are out there, common sense would have to indicate, based on the six or seven billion people on the planet, and based on the millions and millions and millions of internal combustion engines that are out there and coal-fired plants mm-hmm. and uh, how we're producing our energy. We're obviously responsible for the lion's share of impact on right. the environment. You can't blame the volcano no, that's and, erupting in the Clinton Canary yeah, Islands. And, and and the fact is we are warming up. We, you know, the, the we're measuring this and the science dictates that it's Data. getting warmer and warmer and warmer. And, and it could be some of it could be natural, of course. But I think a large portion of that is part of the success of, you know, humans on this earth being a when I, when I say success is we've evolved over the last, you know, millennia to be industrialized, technologically advanced and all that kind of stuff. And we're smart enough to know, hey, we, we, we need to do something about it. And it's good that we're here. But um the one and a half degree threshold that we've agreed on in the Paris Agreement target, one and a half degrees, we're, we're, we're not hitting that. It's bad news. And um, under countries' current pledges, here's the other issue. They were really trying to get everybody to agree that by 2030, we want to be carbon neutral. Well, you know, or 2050 or whatever it is, right? And there lies neutral. the problem. When you say everybody, and right, who's included in everybody. Well, everybody's including everybody, and China's a big but part of that. China hasn't. And isn't. no, they're not committing. They're saying, "Look, the best we can give you is 2060." And 2060 is such a far date that I don't feel. It just doesn't seem. It seems to be a little wishy-washy for me. Yeah, it's, it's called like, having your cake and eating it too. Is yeah, what it's called. So. so, under the current pledges, these global emissions they're going to technically be higher if we measure everything the way we're going. Right, sixteen percent higher in twenty thirty than they were in twenty ten. It's totally in the wrong direction. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, uh, the good news is everybody agrees on the 1.5. The bad news, not everybody can agree that we can get it done carbon neutral by 2050. So 
I mean, uh, the jury's still out there. You know, countries are still diplomatically trying to get everybody on board, and we'll see what happens. Well, but it seems like everyone's working towards a common objective, which our is governments important. are only able to get us halfway down. You know, the 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 the, the uh, field or highway. <laughs> I think consumers, us can make differences based on our choices. I think that's, we can't rely on our governments to get together and agree on everything, but we can make choices on the type of products and services that we choose to buy. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is going back to our consumer activism or the ability as a consumer to make choices. It's not just in your voting, it's in your choices as well. So anyway, um, that's how I think we should stop our spotlight. Um, And with that being said, we've reached the end of our show, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And we hope to see you next week. Please don't miss it. Let us know what's on your mind. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle's at GreenNickel101. We will answer any questions in our upcoming episodes. So be sure to leave comments. And remember, we upload new episodes every Monday. And until next time, think nickel and And have have a a green green day. day. See you guys. Thanks, everyone. Tardis and Nickel traded on the Canadian Stock Exchange, symbol TN, or over-the-counter, symbol TTSRF.